Hi, this is Sean Clinch, the host of Stories Inside the Man Cave podcast. And we really appreciate you being so loyal of a listener and continuing to download each episode of our podcast and sharing it with your friends on social media. Of course, word of mouth is always the best way to promote something like this. And if you're interested in sponsoring a piece of the middle segment, maybe promote your business, shoot me a direct message to at Stories Man Cave and we can make those arrangements. Or if you have a nonprofit organization you would love for us to promote, send that information as well to at Stories Man Cave on our Twitter site. As for the next episode, let's ride. Wake your ass up. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. You were t- I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's going to happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what. If you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you... No, I bet not. So you're not a man. That's it. <laughs> Well, a special edition, episode 58. We're going to call this a conversation with Zeke and Zonk. But before we start that, of course, we got to give a lot of love to our loyal international listeners, France, Guam, Australia, England, and the newest country representing in stories inside the man cave, Taiwan. Gentlemen, we're moving on up across the globe. Of course, you can speak to us, communicate with us, interact, make fun of us, and make fun of the fact that Harge and I – and uh, Zeke are not wearing last stand hats today, nor is Keith Moreland. A pair of Longhorn baseball legends, Keith Moreland, Greg Swindell. If you've never been to Dishfalk Field, you will eternally see their names and numbers on the actual structure under the roof. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. What are we going to talk about except for the fact that we all believe college baseball is going to happen, right? Zeke, you want to start with that? <laughs> I, 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 th- I think we are. I mean, we, we got a schedule. We got a, a conference schedule. We don't have the full schedule yet. Um, you see the schedules coming out all over the country from other schools and other teams. I, I believe it's going to happen. Um, it's been a long time coming. I know that. I'm, I'm not, I don't like sitting in this living room too much more. I'm ready to get on the box <laughs> of baseball. <laughs> I'll kind of ask you guys this. We'll just jump in. I mean, yeah, we're going to have baseball. When do you think, Keith, you know, we'll ask you, when do you think they're going to actually allow fans into the stadium? Yeah. I know now. And secondly, are you guys going to be at the stadium? Or are you going to be doing what a lot of other broadcasters yeah. are doing and, and maybe just from the house? Well, let me start with the second one first. I, I, I've had people at the house today setting up a, a home. I still don't know how to work it yet. but uh, And Ezekiel will have it too. Uh, so we have a home studio, but uh, I was also told today while they were setting that up that they, there will be broadcasters in the booth at Dish Falk Field. So that's a good thing. So yeah. uh, I don't know if it'll be uh, Zeke one day, me one day. There will be six feet apart. There will not be three in the booth. So that, that we know for sure. So, uh, you know, it's to be determined to who will be there and who will not be there. But we'll, I think we'll all be working every game. Uh, it's just uh, according to uh, where they're going now. On the other side of that, uh, uh, I don't know if we'll have fans at any point this season. I think at some point 
you could very well see that maybe as, as the vaccine can, keeps to increase and the herd immunity keeps going and we start getting more and more people uh, uh, vaccinated and get this number down that they keep talking about the infections per day. I, I think that's a possibility. Uh, the one that probably scares me the most and all of us is uh, Big 12 tournament, regional tournaments, super regional tournaments in the College World Series. You know, mm -hmm. can they put all that in a bubble? I don't know. That'd be pretty crazy. I mean, where Zeke, where do you think they would play that? Where If there was going to be a bubble, I mean, also, I think we, we were remiss to say congratulations. Small clap for Mr. Zeke taking over. Going to do a little summer league yeah. coaching. Managing. Congratulations. Welcome Good, back sir. back to the game. Back in, make... just, you know, we don't like to brag that we know you, but we know some big-time people. Uh, I, I know the right people, I guess. Yeah, you and, you and Todd Haney, right? Yeah, Todd, Todd's been up there. He was there two years ago, didn't go last summer because they didn't play. And he want, he asked me a couple of years ago, but we weren't really settled. And Dawson, you know, with Dawson kind of up in the air. And now we're, we're feeling pretty comfortable here. And um, Mark Pekaisek is going to be the pitching coach. I'm actually going up to be a bench coach. I'm just going to right. be there all parts of the game and, and enjoy 65-degree weather in July and August. And, Greg, I heard that you might even get a tattoo. There's a rumor going around that you are trying to work to get a tattoo. I, don't know. Now, I know you like your inks. So are you going to be a Harbor Cat tattoo coming up yeah. soon? I got the sloth from last summer right here, the lightning sloth. <laughs> okay. okay. I think that HC, that Harbor Cat, can go right there perfect. I don't know if I get Todd Haney to do it, but I, I, I'll probably do it at some point during the summer. I was going to say, That's let's just start cool. with you. I don't know about Haney. <laughs> so wait for you to get that last stand bison tattoo. I mean, you, if you want to put that over your heart, I mean, that's okay, too. Do you know it's not I put mine. How do you know it's not there already? Back to this, back to what, you know, Moylan was saying about the bubble. Where, where would there be a type of bubble system, right? They're going to do the NCAA basketball in Indianapolis. How would that work? Do you think it would be a dome? Would it be an open, like, maybe putting it in, like, a major league stadium? But that would be tough because now we're in, like, baseball season, right? I don't, I don't think it can be in a dome stadium. I, I wouldn't think it, it would be indoors. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's got to be a lot of baseball fields. I, you would think maybe Disney again. I mean, maybe someplace out there that has a lot of – a lot of places, you know, ball fields to play. You can't – it's got to be AstroTurf. You can't play that many games on, on regular grass, so it's going to be difficult. But, you know, hopefully we'll cross that and be able to answer that one um, in the next couple of months. Nice. Well, you talked about it earlier, about the season and the schedule coming out. University of Texas, obviously, is going to start the season. They're going to play against Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss up in Arlington. Mm -hmm. When you look at the season, and obviously you guys said that y'all are going to be calling it, possibly from home, one in the studio, one, I mean, one in the, in the stadium and one at home, or maybe both at home sometimes. But when you look at this early season matchup, what stands out to you the most about starting a season against the teams that are ranked sixth, seventh, and eighth in the country? I like it. I mean, you're going to find <laughs> out. You've been waiting, you've been waiting 12 months to, to get back out on the field. That's the thing that they're going to have to – uh, be able to, to keep in check is, is just being out on the field against an opponent. But to, to go up against what, six, seven, eight teams in the nation, that's, I mean, I'm, I gets my juices going just sitting here thinking about it. Yeah. 
Well, I think I, the other thing I worry a little bit about is, is uh, can you get a real judge? Uh, I think this baseball team is going to be very good because what's on the mound. You know, let's just start there. It starts with the fact that is that – but, Zeke, I would, I would – as I usually do in the broadcast, as I would refer to you, it is very difficult to get a guy ready for 75, 80 pitches in an intense situation his first time out. Uh, so, uh, I don't think you'll see any of these teams be the teams that they might be in mid-April when we see them on 19th, 20th, and 21st of February because I just don't think you're going to see uh, Ty go – 100 pitches. I don't think you'll see Pete go 100 pitches. So, uh, I mean, I'm up. It's, I'm going to refer again back to you, Zika, to what you think, but I just don't see that happening right off the bat. No, it's been the way Texas has done it the last, what, four or five years. They'll, they'll go 75 pitches, 70 pitches, 75, then the next start, increase it. And yeah, it's, it's going to, you're not going to be able to tell what exactly you have. Uh, you'll know it, it'll be some good baseball and some exciting baseball, but they're going to have to, to bring them along because with the pandemic and all these teams, players came back. So all these teams are going to be really, really good, probably better than they were last year. And Texas didn't even, wasn't able to see them last year. So it's going to be exciting and, and intriguing and all the words you can think of, of how this season will progress. Yeah. So kind of die. Go ahead. No, I was going to say playing off of that, uh, Zeke, um, last time out at the dish, you know, it was an awkward feeling. Abilene Christian was in town. Texas was off to a 14-3 and start. And then, you know, let's just say our livelihoods, it, it really revolves around sports. And at that time, college baseball. Our world as we knew it then, we didn't know what we were about to experience the next 10 months. And college baseball came to a screeching halt. March Madness stopped. Then we fast forward through all these months, and now you have all these extra years of eligibility. Um, and the Major League Baseball amateur draft was only five rounds. So you add that, you have all these kids. And that's a, a roster management issue, but a good problem to have, if you will. Um, thinking about that, is it safe to say this may be the deepest Texas team maybe we will see in well over a decade? I think it'll be deep, but you have a 30-man limit, right? Yeah. You can, you can you used to have 25. Now it's you're adding five more, and that's conference traveling and everything. So, um, But you can mix and match, I, I guess you can say. If you got guys that you think match up better against Baylor or guys that match up better against West Virginia, you can, you can mix and match it that way. But, you know, every, every team's going to be deep. Everybody has a lot of what – I think Texas has a seventh-year senior. Is DJ seventh year or something like that? Trinsky? Guys <laughs> have been there a long time, and they have a lot of experience. You know, to, go, to take that a step further, too, Zeke, the other part of this is don't think this is a one-year situation because the young men who were on campus last year as freshmen also got their time extended as well. If they Obviously, if they graduate and want to go on to do something else, they don't have to use it. Or when they become draft eligible, if they're drafted, they can leave and start their professional careers. But it, it's not just a one-year bubble. This is a bubble for everybody that was on campus last year. You get an extended uh, college eligibility because of that fact. So looking at this team, you know, we kind of, you know, more than you kind of mentioned, the pitching's going to be solid. I've heard, you know, from sources that it's the deepest roster at the plate one through nine that Texas has had in years. 
what are we expectations? So, you know, what are we thinking? I know that we kind of mentioned like, yeah, we don't think that, you know, we're going to see the same team we see in the beginning of the season towards mid season or tournament time. Where, where's the expectation? Is it Omaha? Is it regionals? Super regionals. What do you guys, when you look at this team, where do you think they can go? Hey, before you two answered, I looked at both of y'all's faces. I looked at both of your faces. It's always Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just don't go to Omaha. You go to Omaha to win. And right. uh, so I think that's, that's the goal each and every year. Uh, CDC talks about having programs who are consistent uh, involved in the national championship chase and I think that's where Texas baseball I've been covering it playing it been around this place for 40 years uh it is uh it is the goal it's not just the goal I said that wrong it's a matter of fact <laughs> that's what you, you know, that's where you got to be and that's where you want to be as a person that grew up in Colleen Texas that signed with the University of Texas coming out of high school that was the only reason why I wanted to go to Texas is because I knew I had a chance to go to Omaha regardless because they were even doing it. Y'all were doing it back then. And to, to look at this team and, and look at the talent that is on this team, which player do you think will stand out? Well, you will see the biggest jump from either the younger guys or the guys from last year. Keith, I want to ask you about the hitters. And Zeke, I want to ask you about the pitching staff. And you can each give me one of each. I don't care. Well, I'll start, uh, Zeke, before he goes. Uh, I think the guy that's got the opportunity to make the gigantic jump and be what I would consider as a premier star college player is Eric Kennedy. It, it, uh, he's got everything that you could possibly need. We've seen him at times be so spectacular. Consistency has been his problem. Hits from the left side. He's got power to all directions. He went opposite field a couple of times last year early in the season. So he's got power to every place on the field, and he can really scoop. And I mean, you know, he's not – he's a guy that shouldn't be in a slump because he can drop a bunt down every once in a while, and, and you just – he's 3-3 three, three to first. So I, I look for him to be that guy that uh, could hit third in the order. I mean, you could hit him up at the top and lead him off, but I, I think you put this guy in the middle of your lineup and say, all right, you're playing left field, you're our everyday left fielder, and let him go. I think that's the guy for me – that, you know, veteran, been around, understands it, and now it's time for him to be great. Yeah, that's um, – like you said, you, you can play him 10 feet from home plate and he can still bunt and then make it to first base. He's that fast. <laughs> that, that's what the advantage for us now, if we're not going to be in the booth every game, is when he would hit the ball, it was – it's so fun to watch him out of the box and just watch him glide around the bases. He's that fast. Um, I, I thought he was faster than David Hamilton. When David was, was at Texas, this guy could be the fastest to ever play at Texas as far as baseball goes. Um, on the mound, I, we were just getting a glimpse of, of Pete Hansen last year. Um, he's, he's confident. He's poised. He's, he's really good. He's got, he's, he knows how to pitch. Uh, all the talk about Ty Madden, which deservedly so, because I heard that this fall he was, he was touching close to 100 miles an hour. So um, those two at the top, of the top on Friday and Saturday and – um, you know, the, the bullpen, I guess, is still questionable. Um, but that was that's always been a question for Texas baseball the last few years. Somebody needs to step up. But I think Pete Hansen right there, the, the, the Saturday guy, um, has the chance to be, be really special this year. 
You know, and the one guy go to, to go just on top of that that they will be missed is Duplantier uh, having Tommy John. Uh, yeah, that, that hurt me, man. Uh, the guy that could play third, the guy could come in and close. Uh, but you, you'll, you'll get him back. But uh, Zeke says it all the time in the deal. Say it's just an opportunity. That's, you know, there's enough guys there that have the ability. It's just an opportunity to uh, figure out who wants to take that role at the end. And you'll, you'll find out early. Six, seven, eight teams in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys, when you guys played uh, Keith Moreland, you were when the uh, wheel was invented. Huh? I think you guys won it once. Won it. Oh, we did, but when the wheel was invented. When oh, well, yeah, when the wheel was invented. <laughs> uh, it was. It was like Moreland had like two hippos out in left field. There was like yeah. a catcher just I walking off Clark the bus. Field. Yeah. Oh, you guys don't even know where that was. That oh my god, the best concert hall. I still those black and white photos of Clark Field with the limestone hill and right. It 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 went from right to center, correct? Uh, it went from right center all the way to left, deep left center, and then there was the pillbox, which was the was installed when they built the LBJ library because they needed some place to let the water drain it, so they had to build a <laughs> pillbox, legitimate. <laughs> Concrete box <laughs> that straightaway left field. Now, how did you play that as an out? That's one of the advantages Texas had it back at old Clark Field. You, the outfielders, you knew how to play it, and those opposing teams had no clue. Well, Coach Gus and Coach Bethay would go out, Sean, and spend hours with the outfielders hitting balls with the fungo in different spots. They had, uh, we had a guy named David Reese who was an All-American uh, his sophomore year, or my sophomore year, he was a junior, uh, was unbelievable at climbing that hill. He had three spots on that rock. He'd hit it right foot, left foot, and he was up there, and he would keep guys to double. As slow as I was, I couldn't have run out of sight in a week. If I hit one up on the deal, I was going to get – I could get around <laughs> the bases in time because the outfitters didn't know where to go for the other teams. They tried to go up the wall sometimes, and they'd be hitting, cut, come back, bruise, hitting the cheek, black eyes. Uh, it was a huge advantage. Huge advantage. So let me ask you guys this. Obviously, we have a lot that has happened over the weekend. The voting of the Major League Hall of Fame. There's no one that is going in, which is really driving me crazy. And I know as baseball uh, purists as yourselves, you look at this game and you see the time in which everybody is being accused of this steroid era. Okay, so be it. Why is it that baseball will not get off of its high horse in these situations to, if you really wanted to say they were part of that era, okay, fine. But if you look at what they were doing prior to that era, those guys were Hall of Famers before that era. So if you want to hold that against them, okay, fine. Just judge them on the time that that era wasn't there, and it'll be a slam dunk. Am I wrong for that? But when you got a seven-time MVP and a seven-time Cy Young not in the Hall of Fame, there's something wrong. I mean, I I don't. It was it's it was immoral. It wasn't against baseball rules. Correct. At the time. Correct. And our guy Roger went to the Supreme Court and won. <laughs> so if if anything tells you he, he he's well, I guess not guilty. Um, and deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he he deserved it. He's one, he's one of the best ever. Barry Bonds, one of the best ever. Kurt Schilling, you know, he's he's Kurt Schilling right now. So um, yeah, he, he he's a mess. <laughs> he was my teammate in Arizona. He's 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 always been 
the type of person he hasn't changed since he's been out of baseball. And I, I don't know if politics hurt him or, or what, what it is and getting along with media, but during his time, he's one of the best pitchers that, that played the game as well. So um, right. it, it was a shame that no one got in. Eventually, I think, well, Kurt might have heard his chances now, but I think Barry and Roger eventually will get in, and which they deserve. And I, I, I just think it is a travesty this year that, that nobody got in. You, you would think should, that one person could get in. Well, should they re, you know, like, right, it's a, how should the voting process be then, right? There was a big, a big uproar because one of the voters didn't even vote anybody. It literally, yeah. was a first-time voter. Yeah, he, he, didn't he, vote needs to, he needs to be person. removed from it. He needs to be uh, removed immediately. From it. Exactly. But my, my, my thing is like, it's all these. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Keith. It's all these former writers and stuff. I'll let you. Should it be former players? How yeah. how should the process work to get these guys in that played and are legends, like you guys just said? Greg played 21 years. I played 12 and a half. In my 12 and a half, I can tell you, and I played against Barry when he was young. I faced Roger. Cooking deep, by the way. <laughs> throw, that, throw that in there, too. Yes, throw that <laughs> in there, Keith. <laughs> you can look back, and I, can, I don't have to go through uh, cards. I don't have to go through anything else. I was on the field, and you can look across the field when you play. In 21 years, I guarantee you, Greg didn't miss on one guy when he went, ooh, that guy's. And then the next year he saw him, he said, yeah. And by the third time, the third year you watch these guys, you instantly know there. The first time I saw Ryan Sandberg, I said, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you just – you looked at him, saw what he did, how he went about his job, what he could do on the field. And it's the same thing with Roger. It's the same thing with Barry. I mean, there's some others out there. Edgar Martinez to take as long as he took to get into the Hall of Fame, that's just a joke. So hopefully the Veterans Committee steps forward, which is full of players and ex-players. They will make this thing right. Yeah, you think Alex Rodriguez is going to have as, as hard a time, if, if not harder? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that you said that about the Veterans Committee because I don't think everybody truly understands what that is about. The Veterans Committee is made up of former big leaguers and Hall of Famers, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes. Yeah, so they know. The eye contest to baseball players, you know it when you walk in the room, like you said. You know who played ball and who didn't, and you know who was elite and who wasn't. So it's just frustrating to me because we're still trying to grow this great game of baseball, and we still have to deal with these types of conversations because people continue to say the same thing. Well, well I don't even want to watch baseball. It's boring. I don't want to do this. Oh, look at you. You can't even put in your best players when they deserve to be in there because you want to have this morality clause and to what Greg said, it wasn't even illegal. It wasn't even illegal at the time. And I said, hell, I don't think it's illegal now. <laughs> There's but, testing now anyway. You can even smoke. <laughs> well, tell me what you True guys that. think because, I, I, listen, I respect the game. I've been a fan since I came out of the womb, I think. And, and my playing days were limited to – Age 19. Ah, that's when it all started. Because I couldn't hit a curveball. Just couldn't. But I know there are the unwritten rules in the game. And I know some of them will forever be a part of the game. But to what Hart said, growing this game, not only to diversify the interest, to speed up the game, and, and just and the participation, we're, we're starting to lose kids from age 12 there's a gap and not keeping these kids in the game 
what do you guys think need to change? And as far as the Hall of Fame, I know I'm a former media guy, but sport uh, baseball writers should have no say-so in who gets into the Hall of Fame because I think that's an archaic way. Am I wrong, or what's your opinion on, on those points? The ability to keep kids in the game, I'll start with that one because it is a passion of mine. Uh, for 10 years when I got out of the game, I had a nonprofit called the Baseball Academy of Texas. Uh, we ended up with, uh, I think, 33 kids that uh, – Went on to sign Division One college scholarships. Uh, five of them made the big leagues, and you know Houston Street maybe all <laughs> of Famer. So uh, those kind of seeing those kids stay in the game, improving the game. That's something that Greg I know is passionate about. We're all passionate about it. I get the opportunity to spend the summer with the Little League and the Southwest Regional up in Waco. Uh, we didn't last summer. That was really a blow to them to not be able to do that. But to see these young men and how do you keep those guys with that same passion and staying in the game uh, longer is something I think we're all trying to, to look at and, and try to figure out what's best. And some of that comes from the fact is that everybody says you got to be specialized. I, I'll ask Zeke and he was one of the best left-handers in history. He played other sports. I mean, I came to college and played two sports. So it, it, I, I think playing multiple sports and that kind of thing, when they're specialized, I think it, you know, a lot of people say, well, man, I'm not going to specialize in baseball. I'm going to, I'm going to be a point guard or I want to play quarterback. Uh, I want to do something else instead of letting them say, Hey, it's baseball season, play baseball, basketball season, play basketball, football season, play football. That's just my opinion. Well, two, two starting quarterbacks next Sunday, both played multiple sports when they were little, Mahomes and, and Tom Brady. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard now, and it's hard to come up with ways now because of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, last year, like Zonk says, you couldn't even – they didn't even play the Little League, um, didn't have the playoffs, didn't have the World Series, didn't have a Little League period. So, um, how do you keep them interested when, when you can't even play the game right now? And yeah. Yeah. hopefully it will change. And it is at the college level. We're going to get back out there, and hopefully the young kids can, can get on there and watch us on TV because if you can't go, watch the game and enjoy the game. Even before this, I remember living out in a small town in uh, Coleman, Texas, right outside south of Abilene. And I was coaching, you know, fourth, fifth graders. Didn't have kids. was bored. was like, hey, I was an athlete. I'll coach different sports. And they would go and have these meetings and say, well, the kids can only choose one sport because it's not fair to everybody to be going. And I'm like, it is not up for you to dictate what – if a kid wants to play soccer, baseball, football, or football, soccer, then basketball, baseball, or whatever it is, whatever sport is in each, you know, their season, it's not up for the parents or the board of a town of 5,000 people to dictate that kid, like you said, played. if he's great at multiple sports, Keith came and played multiple sports at Texas, right? Like, I was a multiple sport athlete. I was great at soccer, but I still played basketball, football, tennis, golf, like, because I love sports. I love chess. activities and it, being an athlete, so. Chess doesn't yeah, count. That. Chess doesn't, I'm not smart enough for chess, dude. Just because I watched the Queen's Gambit doesn't mean that I know what the hell I'm doing on, uh, on chess. I'm more of a checkers guy. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go like two or three heads. <laughs> you are you are nuts, Mike. You are nuts. But I agree with everything that y'all said about the games and being able to play multiple sports. We're in a situation right now in my household. My wife was a former professional soccer player. Me, 
formative baseball player, and my son went to college to play basketball. And now I have my little one. He's 12, and he's playing for the Austin FC, and they're trying to make us decide what he's going to do. And I said, if, that, if it comes to him just playing soccer and not nothing else, then y'all might as well just forget him and get him off the roster because he's going to play multiple sports because, number one, he loves playing multiple sports. But not only that, you can't guarantee him that he's going to play for the Austin FC. So you, you're trying to stop him from having other opportunities because you think he might be an Austin FC player? I love the organization. I think they're going to do great things here, but making a 12-year-old decide is asinine. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, you guys, Keith, um, you went to the College World Series three consecutive years, all 1970s team of uh, College World Series history. Greg? Uh, I believe you went uh, 84 and 85. Yep. And then 86, ran into a great Pepperdine team in the regional here before the Super Regionals existed. And er I think Arizona and Pepperdine, that was right, in 86. Well, Arizona beat Pepperdine. Pepperdine knocked us out. Arizona knocked them out, and they won the 86 College World Series. The entire thing, and they all ran through Austin, Texas, like it normally did. Yeah. When you guys see – the game of baseball in the seventies and eighties, it didn't change a whole lot. A lot has changed now. Is it cyclical? Are we going to see the game come go back to maybe its roots the way it was in the seventies and eighties when you played college baseball, or do you see college baseball somewhat not changed except for the bats? Well, I'd like to see baseball change over and as a hitter, it's hard for me to say, but they ought to, Take the mound up three, three, three to six inches. Uh, change the arm slots a, a little bit, uh, uh, and then stop worrying about whether the ball is loaded or the bats are loaded or whatever, and <laughs> give the pitchers a better chance in college. Uh, you know, it's an old line in professional ball. You pitch to the handle. In college ball, you have to pitch to the end of the barrel because you can't pitch to the handle. You can't break that. Aluminum bat off. We had one year where they were breaking, but not very often do you break an aluminum bat inside. So uh, I, I think I think the pitchers need some help and and doing something with the mound uh, to make sure that's right. I know that we go to different places. I get the opportunity. Greg does too. And sometimes I look at the mound and I start shaking my head when I'm in the dugout. I'm going, that's so flat. It's unbelievable. And then you go to another one that nobody's out checking. And you look at it and it says, that's got to be two or three or four inches taller than it's supposed to be. So now they have the ones that are made of AstroTurf. The mounds. That's exactly right. No, thank you. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I don't understand that, though. Who was it first? Was it uh, Texas Tech? They always had, didn't they always have a grass infill? They were the first to have, no, wait. No, they had turf infield grass outfield. That's right, complete opposite. Were they the first to do that, or was it Wichita State? I can't remember. I Belk Stadium at uh, in Nebraska was that way as well. God, all the the Midwest. It's amazing. This part of the country, uh, the Midwest, they were committed to baseball. It seems like, and then you had like Big Ten schools. They they would spend half of their uh, what a month and a half down here or in the South or in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zeke, is, is not Louisville completely all turf mound? I haven't been to that one, but I, I know 
so I think tech is now. Um, and, and I see these guys, I'm like, I know it has a sand base to it, but I, I would be too afraid I would slip if it got a little wet. And, yeah. and I just, I just oh, it's for me. And if we ever see it in call games, I'm going to talk about it. I don't like it. I know, I know <laughs> I went to the mound one time, and Zeke's heard me tell this story, but I went to the mound early in my career, and I got out to the mound in the Astrodome, and there was a gigantic hole right at the lip of the AstroTurf. And I asked my pitchers, what is that? He said, that's where JR's landing. And I went, okay. <laughs> he's, throwing, he's throwing 100 miles an hour from 52 feet. <laughs> yeah. I bet you guys have a bunch of stories. I mean, obviously, Z, give us one of your best stories of somebody that you faced that every time you faced them, you, you knew. I mean, obviously, you pitched in the big league, said so you had to be on all the time. But who was somebody that every time – he came to the plate. You were you were dialed in, and you didn't want no parts of it. I didn't want any parts of the hitter. Right. A lot of. I mean, there, I, there's too many. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Zonk, Zonk owned me. Um, he hit me well. Um, Edgar, <laughs> he, he brought up Edgar Martinez. I mean, he was I think lifetime about 18 for 14 off me. Um, yeah, and I said that right. He had you so did. Many, you did. I know what you're talking about. He had so many hits off of me. He didn't. He never hurt me, but he, he always got a, a double or a single or something. Um, Cal Ripken, uh, Conseco, I couldn't keep him in the ballpark. So um, not many could. <laughs> the other side of that is when Pete Incavilla came up there, I, I could tell him what was coming, and he couldn't hit it. <laughs> that was, I mean, it, was, it was funny. <laughs> we we became friends, and and and. I, I literally one time showed him fastball and he just swung right through it. I'm like, dude, I can't do any more for you. <laughs> Moreland. I mean, Moreland, oh, who yeah, you go got? Ahead. Who you got, Moreland? Who'd you love facing? Uh, who did I love facing? Well, I think I, I besides, think I, besides Greg and Roger, <laughs> I think I put Bill Gullick in deep six times. So uh, I know that, I didn't pay any attention to it, but I know in midway, you know, you're getting close, middle of my career, and uh, he gets, he was with uh, Montreal. He came to town. He pitched the first game. First time up, boom, he hit me right in the back, and I went, oh, in the world, I've never done anything to him. I get around the bases and score because a couple of guys get behind me, and I come into the dugout, and Sutcliffe says to me, he says, man, he did that on purpose. I said, well, I really don't know why. And Jody Davis walks down and says, Zonk, you've taken him deep like six times. And I said, I, I didn't, I had I knew I didn't mind facing him, but I didn't know that I had uh, done that. I got him that day too. For the seven and we got to bring big Mike in. I think he, he's been uh, quiet for a couple minutes. So we got to bring him back in the discussion here. I'm just I'm just listening to all the stories, man. Sometimes you just get you get caught up and you start being yeah. a fan and Absolutely. listening to all, I mean like the experiences these two guys have versus like I mean, these guys are major leaguers, right? Like, you know, I'm never gonna experience that. Sometimes you just gotta sit back and be humble and listen to the stories. So Absolutely. I'm just I'm enjoying the moment. Moreland, I mean, each of you have seen all the parks before some of them have been renovated. Some of them don't exist anymore. I was going to ask uh, Keith, I mean, you got to play 81 games a year at Wrigley Field as a home. There's something – I've not been there. Huh? 
and it's in the daytime, long before lights. Oh, that's right. That that didn't I mean, happen in the world. No the toughest part of Wrigley was the fact is it played different every day, so you really didn't get a gigantic home field advantage. Obviously, you had the fans, and uh, you know to be a part of that transition. In '82, when I got to Chicago, I think our annual attendance was 4,100 a game for the year. <laughs> it was really low. And we turned things around, and in 83, the second half of the season, we were a really good, fun baseball team to watch. We could hit the ball the ballpark. We had some young players. Leon Durham was playing well. Jody Davis, myself. Sandberg was breaking out, becoming a player. So we became a pretty good team in the end of 83, and we started getting 25,000 people a, a day, and Wrigley became exciting. And then 84, it went crazy, obviously, with us winning the division. Uh, and since then, it's been a pretty hard ticket. Uh, so we got to give the Tribune some credit. And then those early teams that I was on in Chicago made a difference. The unique, there was two unique things. And I'll let Greg answer this. The one thing you know for sure that you're a big leaguer is the first time you walk into Yankee Stadium. And he did like me. He walked into the old one. And it was, it, you instantly knew you were a big leaguer when you walked in that ballpark. Wow. And you almost felt like you were back in the minor leagues when you walked in old Jerry Park in Montreal when I first got to the big leagues. It was a real bad old ballpark. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> so, so those are the ones that I'll let Zeke talk about, uh, the ones that, that he thought about. Well, my original one in Cleveland's gone. The municipal, that, that was just a, a dungeon. It was, it was terrible. Even even for the home team, it, it wasn't fun. Um, oh wow! Um, yeah, I, mem I remember walking up the tunnel at, at Wrigley on the visitor side. Uh, the home side might have been the same way, but it was like a maze. I mean, you had to go downstairs, turn left, turn right, go up a little bit down. And I came around the corner one time. And I, I think I've told Zonk this story before. And there was a possum staring. A possum was staring right at me, just hissing. And I was like, what? And I'm halfway through the tunnel. I, still, I don't know, do I go back? Do I go, go around it? I don't know what to do. So um, that was, but that was uh, quite, luckily the, the equipment cart was there and I kind of uh, screamed like it was all rat or something, jumped on it and kind of went around the possum. Um, got knocked out of a game in the Astrodome one time and how they used to turn the, the, the seating. I got knocked out early and I was mad and I went up in the tunnel and I was banging stuff around. And I laid down and I looked over and there's a, a dead cat looking at me. Um, so I could say, well, it could be worse right now. It could be that cat. <laughs> uh, or it could have been that possum. <laughs> yeah. She was sick, that possum and that cat. Um, the, 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 yeah, the older stay in Boston, um, Yankee Stadium. I love nostalgia. I love going in those ballparks because, like Zong said, uh, you felt like that, that's what you watched. Um, you know, growing up in high school, you know, saying that Zonk's old or anything, but I did watch him on WGN when I was in high school, and that's the year they were talking about, 83, 84, right during that time. And so when you finally got the opportunity, I was in the American League. We didn't have an league back then. Finally got the opportunity to, to go and, and see the grass because they always kept it a little higher in the infield so Rhino could get to the baseballs, the ground that's balls. That's exactly right. When, take, you know, take base hits from the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just the older stadiums really, really stand out to me just because of, of everyone that walked down that tunnel or sat in that dugout or pitched on that mound. That's what I was about to ask, you know, like going to play like when you're in old Yankee Stadium before they built the new one, like 
going out there and realizing you're on the same field as like Babe Ruth, Luke Gehrig, all these yeah. guys, like how, how, what is that feeling? Do you got, are you like, obviously you're in a mindset of, I need to get, I need to get shit done. I'm here to do a <laughs> job, but do you ever take time? Did you guys take time to just kind of be like, damn, this is pretty fucking wild right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every, every stadium you walked into, but especially a Yankee stadium or a Fenway park, because those are the oldest ones. And, a lot of even going when I'm nationally going to Dodger Stadium for the first time and seeing how perfect the grass was and always wondered, does that mound really look as comfortable in person as it does on TV? <laughs> <laughs> it looks beautiful. And, and yeah, it did. Um, there, Anaheim, all, all the stadiums. But um, when you when you walk out of the dugout to see Yankee Stadium, I, I would lay down and kind of see the structure. Because that's, that's what you saw when the TV cameras would, would go down. And when I lay down during stretching and looked up and saw the same thing that I've been seeing since I was seven years old, this like, okay, yeah, this is, this that's is pretty, pretty cool. cool. That's <laughs> awesome. I spent my whole eight or nine years in the National League first. So quick story, come to New York with the Tigers the first time. Uh, I go out early, uh, used to take the seven train to Flushings. Now you have to go out to ha through Harlem with the train, come out of the train, get to Yankee Stadium. And I, I'm there 8.30 in the morning for a day game uh, that afternoon. I said, the heck with it. I'm going to pay the $11.50. And I took the tour. So the tour goes through everywhere, out to the monuments and everything. I'm a player and then not telling anybody with all the fans walking through in the back. Notice that we get it ends. You come down the hallway past the Yankee clubhouse as with the tour, and then you turn left. and Greg will know this. You come out the back, and that was the the entrance where you exited. So I just kept walking in the tunnel, and I had three guys chasing behind me, <laughs> and I had to take out my eight year card and prove to them that I was a major league player. <laughs> and then they still <laughs> followed me into the clubhouse, and I had to have the local clubhouse guy go yeah he's a player that's his number right there <laughs> that's hilarious that's funny sometimes you just can't blend in keith you just yeah. can't blend in you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think real well you gotta think like you may or did that happen before that some fans said that they're like nah this isn't happening to us again i don't like, know but I, mean, I, I i just kept walking at the back of the that's hilarious. security breach security <laughs> breach <laughs> yeah there, there's no need to ask you guys for man cave stories because we've been talking about them for the last 15 minutes and these are award-winning how about we close it out with a rapid fire q a uh each of us direct it or i guess to both of you uh we'll start maybe with this uh, Zeke and Zonk, the memory you uh, when you were in a UT baseball uniform that maybe not enough people talk about that really you think about constantly when you reflect on your career at Texas. Hmm. Wow, that's there's so many. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a very deep, rapid question there, Clinch. Like that. there you go. You what? That ain't no rapid fire. Yes, sir. Yeah. Here, I'll start with the rapid fire, and you guys think about that, and you can finish with that one. How many, how many baseball scholarships should, scholarships should be allowed per team in the NCAA? At least double what they have now. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's some people out there talking about it. There should be 18. Uh, I, think, I think that's the, the number that you could uh, really live with. Uh, 
you know, that way you get you get your nine guys that you know pretty much are going to play all day. They get fulls, and then you've got nine more to split up uh, amongst the next 20 guys where they everybody gets pretty much a half. Dig that. Okay, what do you think about this year's baseball season, the new schedule, the length of it? You think we play the full season or are we going to have stoppage again? College? Yes. I think, I think we play. I mean, the, the protocol they've gone now with basketball, you have to have a certain amount. Baseball will probably be the same way. Um, if, if someone gets ill, they're going to have to, they'll have to reschedule games. But I, I think we're going to get through it. Uh, like Zomp referred to earlier, uh, when they get to the regionals and super regionals, they're going to have to start really looking into to going up to a bubble because you're not going to be able to do it in 32 different sites. Yeah, I think will left field will left field fans happen this year out at Dish Fox Field? It's outside the fence. How they stop? Yeah. Hey, see you out there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, <laughs> you, you guys both played for Coach Gus. What was his demeanor like before a game? Like it was every day. Didn't really say much. Didn't do much. Made sure he had his peanut butter and honey sandwich and, and Lay's potato chips and a big chew, and he was happy. He was happy. He made sure he taught you how to win with pride and dignity. And the last thing about that is you don't want to get on the south side of that. <laughs> look at that. Look at <laughs> he's, going to be, he's going to be who he was, but don't get on the south side of, of what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> hey, Zeke, how long you been on that south side? <laughs> how many times <laughs> you been on that south side? I saw you start chuckling. <laughs> No, I, I, I never. I don't know. Me and coach were tight. He gave me that ball every day, and we, we were tight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This is yeah. great. I, you know, whenever we get a chance to talk baseball and things like that, uh, Zeke, I was talking to Ty Harrington this morning. Ty's a real good friend of mine, and uh, he was the one who told me to ask you about your uh, tattoo because there's a rumor around about the tattoo. And so, but when I get a chance to talk to you and Keith, it just brings so much joy to me because I know those struggles. I know those hard times, but I also have seen the success that comes with it. And when you can share those stories to kids or listening to you, you two do games together, it's so much fun because the average fan gets to learn so much from you guys talking about it. And I think you guys need to be commended for the stuff that you do share with the fans. So keep up the good work. Well, we, we appreciate that. And nothing, nothing's given to you. I mean, I was, I was a fat little chubby kid. Now I'm a fat old man. So uh, <laughs> I had my way up. Yeah. He's going the other way. Last time I saw him, Zeke looked great. I'm the one that's – everything he's lost, I've gained. Zeke's the, the only one in America who's, like, got a better bod during quarantine. I think I put on, like – I saw him at a golf tournament. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I found all the extra weight that you continue to keep up. Yeah. He's usually he was like, send me a three X shirt. He's like, hey, you got a large? I'm like, man, get out of here. You <laughs> he wants a boys medium. <laughs> you need all those LHN shirts he's got. <laughs> I love guys, it, man. I love it. Great episode, gentlemen. Baseball season as uh, all with the start of it's always anticipated, and it has been a long one because of COVID last year. Uh, college baseball, one of the pure joys for so many. For Big Mike and the absent Coach Mo and Hardball Harge, we out. All out of player when you see him in the street.
Holla at your boy. <laughs> looking forward this year. I'm looking forward to, to calling some games for some baseball. Let's go. We gone. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. We gone. <laughs> We good, player.